One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode contains distressing themes and is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. On this episode of They Walk Among America, a young girl's deceased body is found in the middle of the road. Cause of death? Manual strangulation. Then, just months later, a local teen goes missing. Some say he had information on the girl's murder. Are the two cases connected? Welcome to Episode 4 of They Walk Among America, a joint production between the Law and Crime Podcast Network and They Walk Among Us, the award-winning true crime podcast. There is a murderer walking amongst us. You could be at the main mall and that murderer could be walking beside you. He took one of my family members who was a great kid and killed them and threw her out like a piece of trash. Do I care what happens to you if you get caught and convicted? Absolutely not. Those were the chilling words uttered by Dennis Lahulia, the uncle of then 15-year-old Ashley Wallette of Sacco, Maine. Ashley's body was found at 4am on February 10th, 1999 on Pine Point Road in Scarborough, Maine. She was found face down in the middle of the pavement, her legs outstretched, her hands at her sides, her hair neat and her clothes appeared undisturbed. Given the frigid temperatures of New England in the dead of winter, It was puzzling why Ashley was only wearing two lightweight shirts, black leggings, platform shoes and no coat. Law enforcement later said the cause of Ashley's death was manual strangulation. All that is left now at the location where Ashley's body was found is a small white memorial cross that marks the spot of the decades-old cold case adorned with a photo of a young girl frozen in time like the snowdrifts and ice crystals that form on the nearby Scarborough Marsh. Ashley Erin Wallette's life began on March 29, 1983, to parents Robert and Lisa. Most residents of Sacco, Maine, a small coastal town with just shy of 13,000 residents, knew the Wallets as Robert was a real estate broker and member of the Sacco Bay Rotary Club. Not necessarily a typical Maine tourist attraction, Sacco was still a nice place to grow up. With Ferry Beach State Park and Funtown Splashtown USA all within a short distance, there for any kid to spend their days just being a kid. Seemingly, Ashley was like any child in southeastern Maine. Her family would say that she was a loving daughter, a supportive friend. She idolised Marilyn Monroe and kept her room so tidy that they affectionately called her Miss Neat. 
her father Robert would say of Ashley. She was a good person, who was a very warm and sincere person. But like many teens and young adults, Ashley would test the boundaries of their daughter and parent relationship. She would engage in the usual rebellious antics most teenagers do, like smoking, drinking, missing curfew, and she even ran away from home a couple of times. However, Ashley was on the verge of getting her driver's license and was doing well in school at the Thornton Academy Alternative Education Program, where in 1999, she was a sophomore. On Tuesday evening, February 9th, Ashley asked to go to a sleepover at a friend's, Aaliyah Page's house. The Pages lived just a mile away from the Wallets on James Street, near the quiet yet picturesque downtown Sacco. Ashley called home that night around 10pm to check in and spoke with her mother, Lisa. Lisa recounted that conversation to the Press Herald in 2019, saying, quote, She said they were doing their nails. I could hear the girls talking in the background. She said, I love you, Mum, and I said I love you too, sweetheart. She was always loving like that. Those were the last words we said to each other. But unbeknownst to Lisa Wallette, Aaliyah Page's parents were not home, and the girl's sleepover had turned into an unsupervised house party. Some of the party-goers at the Page residence were then 19-year-old Edwin Hernandez, a young man named Jason Carney, as well as fellow classmate Daniel Sanborn. According to Aaliyah, Ashley told her that she wanted to go and see someone called Steve because, quote, when I get a buzz on, I get a crush on Steve. So Ashley roped Edwin Hernandez into driving her away from the party under the ruse that she needed a ride to her aunt's house where she was due to babysit in the morning. But instead, the address Ashley gave Hernandez was Steve's house. So who is this Steve that Ashley was so desperate to pay a visit to on a school night? He was 18-year-old Stephen Sanborn. Stephen, along with his younger brother Daniel, the same Daniel that was at the party, lived with their parents Muriel and Earl. The family's residence, a white trailer, was positioned in a wooded area off Mast Hill Road situated between the Nunsuch River and Ricker Brook. The following is a timeline of Ashley's whereabouts as told by witnesses to law enforcement and as reported by local news outlets. Sometime after 10pm the night of February 9th, Edwin Hernandez and Ashley left the party in downtown Sacco and stopped at Christie's convenience store in nearby Old Orchard Beach to buy cigarettes and soda. They then drove seven miles west of town to the Sanborn home, but when Ashley knocked on the door, no one answered. Hernandez then travelled with Ashley about five miles back towards town to a gas station on Flag Pond Road and Route 1 where she used a payphone to call the Sanborn house around 10.45pm. 
Hernandez claimed he then took Ashley back to the Sanborn home on Mast Hill Road around midnight. It is alleged that Ashley went to the back door this time, where Daniel Sanborn answered after having been stirred from his slumber. Also awoken from the late night after hours house call was Sanborn's mother, Muriel. According to Muriel, Ashley claimed she had a fight with her parents and that they kicked her out. Ashley was apparently hoping to spend the night there. Muriel agreed to let Ashley stay on the couch in the basement, which was used as the family room, near the bedrooms of Daniel and Stephen. From the time Ashley went to the basement to when she was found dead in the middle of the road is a topic of contention, as those that were there in the Sanborn home that night have somewhat conflicting stories. Muriel Sanborn claims that in the early morning hours of February 10th, around 12.45am, she said that she saw Daniel in the kitchen getting a soda for Ashley. Muriel then claims she woke up at 6.45am and Ashley was no longer in the house. Daniel Sanborn's tale of events is slightly different. He claims that after he brought her the soda, Ashley said the basement was too hot to sleep in, so she went up to the living room to sleep on the couch, and then he, quote, did not see Ashley again. That morning, Daniel maintains that he woke up and went to school like any other day. But what about Stephen, the young man Ashley so desperately wanted to see that night? He stated to police that he did in fact have a relationship with Ashley a few years earlier, around 1996 or 1997. As for the night of February 9th and early morning hours of February 10th, 1999, Stephen figured Ashley was, quote, in Dan's bedroom with Dan, as that is the usual practice for people sleeping over who were friends of Dan. As law enforcement would come to find out, Daniel Sanborn's story did not quite add up. They found that Daniel had in fact missed school at Thornton Academy on February 10th. When officers revealed their findings to him, he changed his story. Daniel now claimed that he slept in that morning and skipped work that afternoon to spend the day with friends in Old Orchard Beach. Did Ashley Willett spend the night in Daniel's room? Did she sleep on the living room couch as Daniel claimed? And if Muriel said at 6.45am Ashley was no longer in the house, where did she go? Why did Daniel lie to the police and change his story? What happened to Ashley between the hours of 12.45am and when her body was found? Michael Lopez was driving to his home in Old Orchard Beach with his mother at 4am when he saw something in the middle of Pine Point Road. In desolate marshlands of coastal Maine towns, it wasn't unheard of to see dead animals in the road. But this one looked different. Stopping the car, Mike and his mother went to investigate and what they saw was a deeply upsetting sight. A teenage girl, later identified as Ashley Ouellette, 
appeared almost posed on the centre divider line. Mike bent down to check for a pulse. There was nothing. No sign of life. The colour of her skin had a blue hue. But despite the cold, as Mike would note, her body was still warm. Mike had CPR training, so he began life-saving efforts immediately. Meanwhile, his mother called 911 on a cell phone. What made Ashley's death even more puzzling was the fact that there were no bruises or scrapes on her body. Just a small amount of dried blood around her nose and mouth. How did Ashley get from the Sanborn residence to Pine Point Road? a distance of about five miles. Was Ashley walking along the road and hit by a car in the darkest hours before dawn? Or was she killed somewhere else, and her body placed there almost to make it appear like a hit-and-run accident? Ashley's parents assumed their daughter was in school on February 10th, and just carried on that day as they usually would, unaware their world was about to be torn apart. It was around midday when friends saw the news about a female teenager's body being found. They realised that the description sounded like Ashley, and she was not in school, which added to the fear it was their classmate. Stephen Sanborn later recalled that while in school that day, there was talk of a body being found. A young girl with tattoos... Stephen thought that perhaps it could be Ashley. Ashley Wallet's body was taken to Augusta, Maine for the autopsy. It was there that Lisa and Robert Wallet had the heart-wrenching task of identifying their daughter. The autopsy revealed that Ashley was killed by manual strangulation, an action that is all too intimate and personal a strangulation so violent that her neck was even broken. It was also noted that she had had sexual contact recently. Thankfully, investigators took DNA, fingernail scrapings and debris from Ashley's hair and gravel bits from her clothing, hoping to compare the results to potential persons of interest. Police records say that Ashley was wearing jewellery when she arrived at the Sanborn house. She had a bag of clothes with her. That bag has never been recovered, nor was any jewellery found on her person, evidence that could potentially tie Ashley's killer to the violent crime. February 11th, 1999. The headline of the Bangor Daily News would read, Death of Sacco Teenager Ruled Homicide Friday, February 12th Fellow students at Thornton Academy held a memorial service. They collected monetary donations for flowers and created a banner with heartfelt messages to Ashley. They even put together a beautiful 80-page notebook with letters and prayers for Ashley's parents, Lisa and Robert. Saturday, February 13th, was another crushing day for Ashley's friends and family. Well-wishers gathered in the Most Holy Trinity Church on Main Street, 
to pay their last respects to the spirited teenager. Wallets wanted answers. They needed to know who killed their beloved daughter and the Main Street Police were also eager for a resolution. According to the State of Maine Department of Public Safety, there were 25 murders committed in Maine during 1999. Law enforcement cleared 24 of those. Ashley's case is the only unsolved homicide that year, making her killer or killers the most elusive in the state. Once learning of Ashley's initial whereabouts at the Page residence, Officers then tracked her movements from the house party to the Sanborn home. The mobile home tucked back into the woods off Mast Hill Road would be officially the last place Ashley was seen alive. It was there that investigators went to work armed with a search warrant. Local news outlets reported that officers would find what seemed to be on first inspection a trail of blood droplets on the linoleum floor from the kitchen near the entrance of the living room. Amongst the personal belongings, investigators found a used condom, evidence of sexual activity. Carpet samples, upholstery, jewellery, a purple cord, bedding and pillowcase with a stain were all gathered for evidence. From Daniel Sanborn, they took hair and tissue samples as well as fingernail clippings, and the search did not begin and end at the trailer. Officers also combed the woods and river behind the residence. They even searched Daniel's 1991 Blue Eagle Summit motor vehicle, where they found similar dried grass and gravel pieces that were discovered on Ashley. They also took a gold ring a black shirt, a scarf, hair samples and fingernail particles. Police interviewed the Sanborn family as well as over 150 people, but all have the same story. No one saw Ashley leave the house. Maine State Police Lieutenant Mark Holmquist of the Major Crime Unit said they had their eye on a few persons of interest but haven't been able to single out anyone. He told a press herald as recently as 2019, quote, We have to be able to take a case into court and prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, and that's a high standard for a reason. We may need just one more piece of credible information to get us over the top. The individual or individuals who committed this crime are still out there and in our community. They have those relevant answers that we have been searching for for all these years. Lieutenant Holmquist believes that the person or people that took Ashley's life knew her and that this was not a random act or a crime of opportunity. Ashley's father Robert would talk to news outlet NBC's News Centre Maine and make a desperate plea to the public. It's just been a nightmare. And, and there's no way to describe it. I certainly wouldn't want anybody to share the pain and agony that, that my wife and I are going, and the entire family are going through now. And out there, I appeal to everybody, if, if, if it's children, if you know anything, please come forward. Sadly, Robert Wallet never got the chance to see justice for his daughter, Ashley. 
On May 26, 2001, he died of a heart attack. Or maybe it was a broken heart. He was just 49 years old. At the Laurel Hill Cemetery in Sacco, father and daughter are reunited again under a black headstone that reads, Shall claim of death cause us to grieve and make our courage faint and full? Nay, let us faith and hope receive. The rose still grows beyond the wall. There is one person, though, who claimed to have knowledge of who killed Ashley Ouellette. But unfortunately, that man would disappear. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. A mile south of Sacco, Maine, where 15-year-old Ashley Ouellette was last seen, and just over three months later, another young person went missing. 21-year-old Tony Torres was last spotted on May 21st, 1999. Born Angel Antonio Torres. Tony was the middle child of Narciso and Ramona Torres's three sons. Tony grew up in Denmark, a town near the Maine and New Hampshire border. He was popular, handsome, and athletic on the field. His dream of owning his own sporting goods store landed him at Framingham State College in Massachusetts. Tony majored in business and psychology and minored in Spanish. Mother's Day weekend of 1999 would be the last time Ramona saw her son. Tony had brought his new girlfriend Beth with him. They had plans to get an off-campus apartment together, so naturally his parents wanted to meet her. After a lovely weekend together, Tony and Beth returned to college. On May 19th, Tony called Narciso and Ramona to wish them a happy anniversary. 
the phone call ended with Tony telling them, I'll call you Thursday. Thursday came and went, with no call from their son. Motherly instincts kicked in and Ramona reached out to Beth, who told her that Tony had gone to Maine, but Beth did not go with him. Beth said that Tony had called her a couple of times sounding upset, but she had not heard from him since. The Torres family convinced police that Tony was officially missing. The location of Maine was not the only link between Ashley Willette and Tony Torres. They shared a friend, Jason Carney, known as Jay. He attended the same house party Ashley went to before her murder. Now Tony was reported to have been hanging out with Jason Carney before he disappeared. Publicly available accounts also suggest that on May 21st, 1999, Tony and Jason Carney were in the area of Biddeford, Sacco and Old Orchard Beach, allegedly selling drugs, something that Tony's mother, Ramona, has a hard time believing. Carney says that he and Tony were at a friend's apartment in Biddeford, but two drug buyers were unhappy with their purchase. Tony and Carney left the apartment, and only Carney returned. The story that Jason Carney tells is that the two went to a convenience store called The Whistle Stop at 2am, and that Tony was looking for a ride to Conway, New Hampshire, about half an hour from the Torres' home in Denmark, Maine. A man in a red truck was going to give him a lift. Investigators have never corroborated Carney's story, never found the man in the red truck, or found Tony. Rumours and speculation have swirled that Daniel and Stephen Sanborn were also with Tony that night. And the biggest rumour of all is that Tony knew who killed Ashley Wallette. But this gossip might not be so far-fetched. As Narciso Torres told Crime Watch Daily in 2016, Tony was home from college over spring break in 1999. All of Maine was buzzing about the murder of Ashley Wallette, so the family talked about it too, and Tony made a startling statement to his parents. During the Crime Watch Daily interview, Narciso recalled their conversation, saying, quote, he didn't tell us who, but he said he knows who did it, and he said it in a way that he left no doubt. And I cautioned him, you're either going to go to the police with this information or you're going to keep your mouth shut, but be careful who you share this with. At the time, I didn't know how much to believe that he actually knew, and the little bit of a little part of me feared for him because, you know, witnesses can be silenced. I wish I could go back now and pick him up by his shirt and say we're going to the police right now. But I didn't do that. It was a decision that haunts Narciso every day his son is not with him. Was Tony killed because he knew who killed Ashley Wallette? In 2004, Tony Torres was legally declared dead even though his body has not been found. 
any secrets or information Jason Carney may have had died with him, as he passed away from a suspected overdose in 2015. He was just 36 years old. In 2016, Maine State Police and the Torres family held a press conference, and Lieutenant Brian McDonough of the Major Crimes Unit made a bold statement regarding Jason Carney. He was an individual with a questionable past and little integrity or credibility. Investigators have always believed Jason Carney was less than truthful in providing accurate information and details of the events surrounding Angel's disappearance and felt he knew of Angel's demise and of his location. Romana and Narciso are still fighting for their son. We have hope that everything, everyone working together, maybe we can solve this case because we're not giving up. We will, as long as we're alive and we could do it, we continue to work with the state police. Numerous Mother's Days, anniversaries and holidays have come and gone without Tony in the Torres family. Although this has not stopped Ramona and Narciso from still searching for answers and wondering if today is the day that they will finally bring Tony home. But for two people involved in this twisted tale of the missing and murdered, life goes on, however not without its share of problems. In 2001, the Wallets filed a civil suit claiming the Sanborns were negligent when they did not call Lisa or Robert when Ashley asked to sleep over, let alone let her sleep near the boys' bedrooms in the basement. Depositions were taken, but before the case could be settled, Muriel and Earl Sanborn filed for bankruptcy, and the suit was dismissed. For Alia Page, the pain of losing her best friend has worn her down over the years. With a lengthy criminal record and stint in and out of prison, Aaliyah has had a rough go at life after Ashley's death. She told the Press Herald in 2019 that, quote, I'm living with the regret that I invited Ashley to my house that night. She was my best friend in the whole wide world. I wish I went with her that night. It's the biggest mistake of my life. Daniel and Stephen Sanborn have had many run-ins with local law enforcement, just not for the death of Ashley or Tony. Daniel has done time for charges stemming from drugs to theft to weapons. Stephen would be found guilty of assault on a police officer and racking up charges for drug possession, endangering the welfare of a child, and theft. Daniel Sanborn denies any involvement in the death of Ashley Ouellette. Neither he nor Stephen have ever officially been named a suspect or charged. Two families will forever be bound together by the ultimate tragedy of losing a child. For Ashley and Tony's mothers, the fight continues. Both Lisa and Ramona have joined forces to help create legislation that created a main cold case squad, raising awareness for unsolved murders and missing persons. The only thing we have in common here, all of us, is we need to get those murders off the street and give the family some answers and justice. 
The Maine State Police continue to receive tips and follow up on each lead that comes in. There is a $20,000 reward for information that leads to a conviction for the death of Ashley Ouellette and another $20,000 reward for information regarding Tony Torres' disappearance or death. With advancements in investigative technology, authorities believe it's not a matter of if the murderer walking among America gets caught. It's when. If you have any information on the death of Ashley Ouellette or the disappearance of Tony Torres please contact the Maine State Police's Unsolved Homicide Unit at 207-624-7143. This episode was researched and written by Kelly McClear and edited by Brad Maybe. For more on our series and notes on this episode, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. And for more on the Law and Crime Podcast Network, please visit lawandcrime.com slash podcasts. This has been They Walk Among America. Thank you for listening. Listener.